Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So using Onyx Hunt app on my computer or on the the actual app on my phone, I can instantly find some public land and begin diving into the specifics of the terrain when it comes to hunting mountain bucks in Pennsylvania and a lot of the, the East Coast Appalachian range. So the topographical layer allows me to examine the lay of the land and really helps me identify the, the promising tracks before I ever set foot on the ground. So areas with steep, well-defined contour lines, for instance, they kind of stand out for a few reasons. I mean, first, the deer are even, you know, lazy and, you know, somewhat, and that can dictate uh, the actual movement. And also looking at different terrain features like saddles, points of ridges, draws, and I can mark them to scout in person. After that, I'll turn on the hybrid layer that has a satellite on it as well and I can look for the differences in vegetation and ground cover so you can see things like stands of evergreens logging cuts oak ridges and really help narrow your search down um, when combined with some of the train features above so I'm going to be doing some videos on this stuff and, and get them on YouTube as well as part of a, a, a big project working on here for 2020. Um, so there'll be a lot more coming with the, the scouting portion of Mountain Bucks. But to go, if you want to use the Onyx Hunt app and you know get ahead of the game here, get ready for winter, spring scouting, then head over to Onyx maps.com and use the coupon code emw that'll save you 20 percent off of the app so elk 101 Corey jacobson has come out with the university of elk hunting which is the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available and i'm telling you i've said it before but right now is the time with a winner being here to really you know, catch up and learn more about elk hunting to, to make yourself more successful this upcoming year. This course is fully comprehensive. I mean, it has everything you need from the beginning stages, the scouting, to figuring out what state, how you're looking at, you know, Onyx, everything else is in this course. So if you want to go over and check that out, elk101.com, click on the University of Elk Hunting, and then you can find all the information there. Coupon code East Meets West. That'll save yourself 20% off of the online course. And also, so Mountain Tough Fitness. Mountain Tough is, so I actually have Dustin Diefenderfer, the, the, one of the co-founders here on the podcast here today as the guest. But what I want to talk about is in regards to Mountain Tough's new Backcountry Hunter All Access Program. So that is the postseason strength program that I'm going through currently and a new spring training camp program focusing more on you know the cardio aspect, getting you ready for the preseason prep program, which is a 16-week program leading up to the hunting season, and then the new fall in-season program to maintain yourself so you're not you know getting beat down and losing a bunch of muscle mass and um you know, getting weaker throughout the season there. So 
definitely if you want to check out Mountain Tough, first of all, there'll be a lot more information on this here. So I'll spare it at the beginning here once once I talk to Dustin. But um, I've been using Mountain Tough here for uh, over a year now and have had some amazing results, you know, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint as well. So head over to mountaintough.com and check out their backcountry hunter all access program and lastly so the great american outdoor show is coming up here in harrisburg um actually this coming weekend so if you want to head over to the backcountry hunters and anglers booth it's booth number 4507 and you can learn what they're all about there um they'll have membership specials going on throughout the week and also backcountry ba- backcountry bash at the Appalachian Brewing Company, which is in Harrisburg on February seventh, starting at seven p.m. Eastern time. Um, I'll be attending the backcountry bash there, and um, it's a it's an absolutely great time to you know learn about BHA and their conservation efforts for public lands. So follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and check out more there. All right, so over the past weekend here, I uh, didn't do a whole lot when it comes to the hunting side of things, taking a couple weeks off here from, you know, going in the woods and spending it doing some other things outside. I did some ice fishing that was extremely unsuccessful from the catching the the fish standpoint, but um, the ice was really sketchy. It was was extremely thin, but... um, yeah, no one no one in the area had very much luck this weekend, but always a great time just hanging out with Michael and Mason and uh, you know, just just enjoying it. So that was uh that was a lot of fun. Get to do that a little bit different. And wanna thank everybody for all the feedback I've been getting on the synergy film. So the the Idaho um elk hunt film from this past year if you haven't checked it out already you can head over to my youtube um you can check it you can just type in bow martonic or you can type in you know synergy there and be able to check out that the video i'm i'm been really happy with the the feedback and appreciate everyone checking that out if you do like it you think it's awesome then uh, please you know share it with your friends, family, and, and uh, like and comment on the video there. Like I said, there'll be a lot more YouTube stuff coming up this year. It's one of my one of my goals is to start doing some more video content in addition to the podcast. So be looking for that coming up. Uh, so on today's podcast, I'll be jumping on the line here with Dustin Diefenderfer coming out of Bozeman, Montana co-founder mountain tough fitness and just an all-around great guy you know we're going to talk about the specifics of mountain tough and you know what they designed the program for but you know even more importantly we're going to talk into you know specific physical training for the backcountry and how that builds mental toughness and how why that's important you know and being that top 10 percent of hunters that are you know killing 90 percent of the game and and then lastly, we end it with a, just a hunting story that's it's nuts. Uh, well, Dustin went on a you know crazy late season goat hunt in Montana, drew the tag after you know over twenty years of applying, and it was just 
just crazy conditions and just an absolutely you know incredible hunt so that story is really entertaining and and uh definitely a good case study for you know mountain tough here but um yeah let's let's jump into the podcast here and uh everyone thanks again for listening appreciate it all right we're live dustin diefenderfer what's going on buddy uh, doing well. Just another day in uh, Bozeman. We just got done training a bunch of guys that were in town for the lab and just getting ready for the weekend here. Cool. Yeah. It seems like you guys got a, a lot going on this time of year with launching a new course and just, and looks like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like you launched a, a gym there that, uh, you know, people can come train with you at. We did. Um, it's been a busy year. It's been great. Um, we feel really fortunate, but we, we've been in a gym for the last, uh, two and a half years and it was a gym that we leased. And just this last January, we built a, a new facility, uh, moved everything in and kind of built it from scratch exactly how we wanted to set it up. And we opened on, um, the first Monday after New Year's, and it's been sweet. It's been awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I guess before we get into this too deep here, so Dustin, you were on the the podcast a long time ago. It was one of my you know earlier episodes in 2018, not long after I started, and uh, we talked a lot about you know uh, you know the backcountry calorie de- deficient calculator that you have, and a little bit about Mountain Tough, but I'd like for you to give a, you know, background on yourself and then also kind of what's going on with mountain tough. You bet. Uh, so my background is I'm a, a Montana kid born and raised. And ever since I was a kid, my family has been just passionate, diehard backcountry elk hunters. And so we grew up bow hunting all over the West, uh, a lot in Montana, um, me and my dad and his buddies. And then as I got older, you know, it kind of grew into my number one passion. And so as I got into college, I was traveling all over the West with my buddies and we were trying to bow hunt elk in as many Western states as we could each fall. And it was awesome and it kind of always had shaped my fitness journey. And so I was always trying to train in a very specific way to be the best in the backcountry that I could be. And after I got married, um, I married a really passionate runner. And so what I've seen a lot is some people just love to run and some people run to get in shape. And my wife is, she's the one who just loves running. And so we started after we got married, we got really into marathons and we traveled all over the country, um, running marathons. And we kind of went deep into it. And one year we ran, Uh, a marathon every month for a year and then that transitioned into 
a lot of 50 Ks and the ultra running and the ultra running was really awesome because it's always an elk country, especially in Montana. You know, all of these 50 Ks are usually in a spot that's going to be a really good elk hunting spot. They're all in, in the same terrain you're going to end up hunting elk in. And we chased that journey for a couple of years and really enjoyed it. And there was a, a distinct moment in my life where I reached this point where I was extremely addicted, you could say, and just fascinated with the whole mental toughness side of ultra running. And there are so many cool things I learned through that around mental toughness. Cause I think most ultra runners experience a point where everything you're feeling in your body is telling you to stop and you have to come up with mental skills basically to push through to that finish line and the the science of it and just kind of the the skill set of it applied so much to my family life and my married life and then as well as my hunting life that kind of the mental toughness component became a huge thing for me and I just kind of dove in and tried to learn as much as I could about it. And I've been kind of chasing that, that journey ever since. Um, but the real, the real kind of point that led to mountain tough was I reached a point in my life where we had done so much running that I had lost so much muscle mass that it was really affecting me when it came time to pack out a bull. And it was interesting because I always thought there's nothing better than just running through the mountains to get ready to go hunt elk. But there was, there was some really obvious hunts where I was like, man, I used to be able to haul a hundred pound packs a lot easier than this. Even though my cardio shape was excellent, uh, there was definitely a gap in my strength training. And that was like the, that was the infancy of mountain tough. It was that experience and me starting to think, man, there's gotta be a better way to do this. There's gotta be a, a method very similar to how the NFL would train an offensive tackle or a wide receiver they're going to do it in a very, very specific manner. And they're going to do it for a very specific mission. And they're going to train, they're going to train that offensive tackle very differently. They're, they're going to train the wide receiver. And so that really led us to um, get mountain stuff off the ground. It was always around this idea of let's train someone to move multiple days in rugged terrain for extended periods of time with a heavy pack, exactly, you know, how the NFL would train someone in a very, very specific mission focused manner. And we always wanted to do it with this backbone of mental toughness. 
And so when we set up our team, um, from day one, uh, we've had Ara and Alex and Ara, uh, you know, he was a Lieutenant Colonel army ranger and he trained rangers for 20 years. And Alex was a U.S. Navy SEAL for nine. And that creation of the team was always around, you know, how can we be the best in the world at mental toughness? And so that military DNA uh, is a huge component of it. And that's really how we started. And it's just expanded and evolved since then um, and just grown and grown and grown. And it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, when I first saw, you know, your guys' ads coming up and some different things there, I I had always, you know, I'd always been into, I, I love working out and I liked hunting and, and I loved hunting too, but I never, I, I guess, I never figured out how to, you know, apply both and then, you know, be able to work out specifically for hunting. I was, you know, when I was younger, I was doing a lot more of the, you know, just based off of strength and, and bodybuilding and kind of went through some of those phases, which was kind of slowing me down a little bit, it seemed like. And then I, I got in, I, I saw, you know, a lot of people that were saying, oh, you just got to run a lot and started running a lot and then felt like you said a little bit weaker. And I was kind of struggling finding that happy medium and, and had started hunting mm-hmm. out West. And, and in 2016, I went on my first elk hunt and I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I felt, I realized afterwards that I was not prepared in the manner that I should have been, even though I thought I was, and I was definitely mentally weak uh, to, you know, after when Mm -hmm. it got, you know, five, six, seven days into it, I was, you know, I was falling apart and it was tough to admit, but that's, you know, that's what it came down to. So anyways, when, when you, when this, you know, your program here came out, it was something that really interested me and, had me, you know, wanting to try it out to train with a purpose every day rather than me trying to figure out, you know, workouts in the morning or trying to put together my own things that just didn't feel exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that that's, that's the experience that we, that we see all the time is I think we see individuals get, you know, humbled by the mountain, um, and it, it's usually, we usually trace it back to some of the mistakes you mentioned. It, it's usually too much bodybuilding or too much cardio. Um, those are, you know, the two most common mistakes, especially if you look around just Bozeman, you know, hunters that I've been friends with since I was a kid. The common trend around here for a lot of folks was around July to just start going to the gym and not either running or doing the stair climber for like an hour a day. And so there wasn't a lot of science behind, you know, the strength component and the mental component. Generally there was just, you know, the trend in the industry to just to get a lot of mileage in and get your cardio up. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and, and that was, so the biggest like thing that I noticed from like trying more of the cardio standpoint and everything else was there was parts of my body that felt like they were failing. And like, I, I noticed right away that I was, you know, really sore in certain areas and struggling one being my lower back, um, you know, another yeah. one being my hip flexors and just, I, I just realized, you know, all around that I was struggling in some of those areas. And, you know, as I started, started, the, you know, the, the mountain tough course, I started with the postseason one last year and, you know, a lot of those it's, you could see a, a lot of focus on some of those areas, you your back and your shoulders and, and legs and, you know, some of the, with, with your hip flexors and everything else. And it was just, this past year was um, just such an eye opener for me and just felt so much, I guess, more confidence going into it. And, you know, going on an extended trip of 14 days of hunting elk, it, it, uh, it was, it was definitely just a, a big deal, not only from the, you know, your physical fitness, but I felt like I was healthier all around cause I wasn't running my body into the ground as, as much, um, cause I was, you know, more prepared mm -hmm. for it. And then also just kind of staying in the, in the game, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's so common. I think, um, runners especially will have a hard time with that strength training and it. It eventually will create some very runner specific injuries that we see all the time in the lab like a runner um, predominantly will come in obviously with very good cardio, but they'll have very weak, they'll have a very weak core, which will, there's actually just a terminology out there in the PT world that you'll hear PTs kind of joke around about, which they call runner abs and runner abs from the PT perspective just means that they can identify runners um, now having weak cores because they're not doing any other training than running in a linear line, either on a treadmill or a road. And that stuff is fascinating to me because if you truly like analyze what a hunter is doing in the backcountry, they are walking on very uneven terrain. It, a lot of times it's terrain that they're not familiar with, especially if you take the examples of, you know, like a Midwestern hunter coming out to hunt the Rockies for the very first time. You're throwing a lot of new variables at that athlete that you want to prepare for and, and just running on the treadmill uh, just isn't cutting it. Yeah. And so one, one other component, I mean, even on the, you know, in the East coast here, we have the Appalachian mountains, which are, you know, pretty steep and can be rugged. But one of the, the biggest differences that I noticed was the, the unevenness in the train where we have, you know, a lot of steep hills and stuff like that, but there's not as much, um, rocks and different things where out West, you know, you, each step is a different stride, you know, you're, you're having to, you know, step up onto something, pull yourself up and, and moving and, you know, a lot more odd, um, ways and which ends up using different muscles and, and things along those lines. And again, that was just from my own experience with it that I thought that, oh, if I go out and hike this hill, 
you know, every morning leading up to the, the hunt before work, you know, it'd be good. And there was, there was more to it than, than just that. Yeah, that definitely helps, but there was, there was definitely more to it. And so would, would you be able to explain a little bit about like some of the, the workouts that you're doing and how that's, you know, specific to the, to the hunter? Yeah, for sure. A lot of our, um, you know, our programming is broken down in a few different ways. So one thing that we focus on is very specific to preparing a hunter for what they're going to experience with a heavy pack. And so when we look at training someone for backcountry hunting from scratch, like if we whiteboard it out, we know that that athlete is going to need to have really, really strong legs, um, really good aerobic capacity. Uh, they're going to need to have strong uh, traps to carry the load on their shoulders, a, a strong lower back. And we call it their chassis. And their chassis is like if you looked at a like an F-350 Super Duty, like we want that that chassis under that truck to be extremely strong so that that athlete is starting off on a really, really good foundation. Cause we know that really strong foundation is really going to allow us to take them a hundred percent of where they want to go. We can build upon that chassis. So we're very focused on um, that aerobic capacity as well as leg strength and then we do a lot of things for injury prevention as well so we're trying to separate out our heavy strength work from the high intensity work and that's certainly one thing that makes us unique uh, especially if you if you compared our programming to CrossFit that's one thing that that we do quite differently and that is we will have specific strength days where you are going to get some rest you have some time to really focus on your form um, and move that weight without having to do it in a fast manner and so after we build that strong foundation then what you'll see and and i'm sure you experienced this bow with some of the uh road marches so we're actually going to put you out in the hills or on the road with your pack on with your boots on um, and start upping that mileage so that all those little stabilizer muscles that are hard to work in the gym can start firing so that when it is time to haul um, heavy weight in the mountains your body's already prepared for that Uh, it already knows what it feels like you already, you already know some problems in your gear. And then I guess that's kind of the foundation, but everything is done over periodization. So you'll see in our postseason strength program, it's a 16-week periodization. Our preseason prep is a 16-week periodization. And all that means is we just want to give your body the time to adapt because scientifically we know that muscle maturity and cardio adaptations take a long time and we don't want to rush it because that's usually what will lead to an injury. 
And so they're longer uh, periodizations to make sure we can get you as strong as possible in a really safe manner. Yeah. And one, one thing that, that I'll comment on that, like you back to like the road March thing and, and really the, just the whole platform behind it is, you know, when you have these schedules basically laid out, so it, it goes off of what five day a week, you know, training and you have, you know, each, each day you have the videos and everything laid out for you, what you're supposed to do. And, and you kind of have to, you know, allot the time accordingly with that. So when you have like the road marches that require more time involved with it, um, you know, I, I work out in the mornings before I go to my day job because in the evenings I work on my well, this business East meets West and the podcast and everything else. And, you know, a lot of other people, you know, that have, you know, wife and kids and family time at, at home in the evening. So I, I like to work out in the mornings, but when you have something like mm-hmm. a road march that might take longer time, you really push in yourself and, you know, coming back to the mental toughness thing that I have to, you know, instead of getting up at four fifteen in the morning, I got to get up at three that day, you know, just, just yeah. for example, yeah. to do it. And, it sucks. I mean, it, it's not fun to, to do that. But once you once you get in that mode of, of doing that and making yourself, you know, just stay disciplined to it, it, it becomes yeah. easier as you go along and, and you just feel so much better. I mean, one of my buddies does the, the course too, uh, Kelly McGraw, he's local to me too. And him and I will, you know, text yeah. each other in the, in the mornings. He's like, ah, you know, it's road March day and you gotta, you gotta do this or we'll, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's, it's shitty overall, but <laughs> it, it definitely helps yeah. get the, the kinks out of things. I mean, especially like, you know, with boots and your pack and how everything's working, fitting, riding on you, um, you know, your layering system, especially with like the postseason program, you know, it's winter time and you get some, you know, you don't know what kind of weather um, you're going to get depending on where you live at. You know, I, I could have a morning where it's right around freezing or I could have a day where it's negative 10 and you know, yep. you need to learn how to layer for that and, you know, adapt and you're just, your liquid intake and all, all these different things that you learn ahead of time rather than, you know, figuring those out in the field. It's so cool. I mean, it's, it's so amazing. Cause if you take your experience with those road marches and it, if you just isolated those alone and didn't include everything else, the program's doing to you, like someone who did, six or eight or 10 or 12 of those road marches before going on a nasty Western hunt would have such a better experience than not doing them at all. And it's really, it's a lot of that stems from Ara's ranger background and Ara talks about it in a way that's pretty cool. He says like what we're teaching people to do is turn the extraordinary into the ordinary. And I think you just summed it up perfectly because like if your sixth road march is snowing outside, you're going to go eight miles with a 50 pound pack at a 15 minute per mile pace. Like when you look at that on number six, it's no big deal. You're like, well, I've done this before. I know how to layer. I know how much water to bring. But if you show that to a brand new guy, that's going to look extraordinary to them. They're going to be like, man, you want me to hike with my pack 
this morning before work eight miles at 10 degrees and snowing, it's going to blow their mind and it's going to look very impossible. But if you start taking those extraordinary steps and making them very ordinary, that's really what starts building mental toughness. And people ask us all the time, like, how can I build mental toughness? What should I do? And I can't think of a better way to do it than just continuing to do those things that are hard and kind of look extraordinary. And the more you do them, they just get easier and easier. And you really can see it working if you look at like these marathons now, like the the common not the com I shouldn't say common, but the new trend in ultra running is two hundred and fifty miles. <laughs> and when when I when I was ultra running, the highest distance you ever saw was a hundred miles. And basically what's happening is people are looking at themselves and they're like, Well, I ran a hundred. I might as well try 200 I might as well try 250 and you'll see it on small scales too where someone will run a 5k and then that 5k leads to a 10k and then that 10k leads to a marathon but they're just taking those baby steps just day after day and it really transforms someone's life it's pretty cool yeah and 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 that's a that's a great point because it it applies to everything in your life not just your physical training or or mental toughness for hunting i mean it helps for everything i go into work every day when everyone else is you know feeling groggy you know piling for the coffee and everything you know i feel good that's when i'm the most uh, i feel that i guess i'm the most um, ready to go and just can and work on things and, and be ready because you ready got yourself moving you're doing all these things and and you know the things that seemed hard before aren't as big of a deal anymore and you know it's just just by like you said I mean the first time that I I did so when when I again when I found Mountain Tough before I you know got into the course and going through it, you'd put out the 22s, um, as like a free workout to do. And I remember doing it for the first time and I felt like I was dying. I was like, there's no way that (laughs) anybody should be doing this. Like, this is terrible. And you know, now that's a part of the, the normal scheme. And I I'm racing for time now before I was just trying to finish it. And that's just, that's huge. And like you, that's exactly what you said. And I love the way that our puts out there, you know, turning extraordinary to ordinary. And at first I thought you said that backwards until the explanation came behind it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it definitely, it definitely works. And I think that, um, you'll hear special operators talk about it a little differently. And like Alex with his seal background talks about it a little different, but he always says, let's just lift the heavy box first is his mentality. And if you really boil that down with him, you're like, man, what are you talking about? And he's like, if you watch special operators, like walk into a room to help someone move, those guys are going to fight over the heavy box because they don't want to be the guy that's going to grab the little box and do the least amount of work. And what they do is they apply that same mentality to their whole life. 
And so lifting the heavy box first at work might be, I'm just going to knock out that hard project now and not procrastinate on it. And they just apply that same philosophy to their whole life and until it almost becomes natural that to them to always take the harder path and the harder path always leads to a greater reward. You know, you especially see that in hunting where guys that'll just push one more ridge and always look for those spots are going to be far more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you you can take that situation in the, in the examples you gave and apply that to so many different things. And yeah, I mean, I, again, I've noticed it personally from the work aspect and taking on, you know, more there. And then, you know, from, you know, family, you can look at it from that side of things. You can look at it, you know, any sort of relationships and, and hunting and, and just, just about any part of your life. Uh, you know, I truly believe it improves and, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent on, you know, in, investing in yourself when it comes to whether that be your physical fitness for knowledge, for, you know, anything along those lines, I, I don't think you can go wrong with it. You come out better in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I guess it's an, it's not a, it's never a process that's finished either. It's just, <laughs> you always just keep, keep working at it. Yeah. That's the part I love is I, I really don't think, I really don't think we've even come close to, to touching, scratching the surface of human potential. Uh, I'm not saying mountain tough. I'm saying just society as a whole. And I think we're really starting to see that. I mean, I know if you look at the NFL and you compare the guys you see now to the guys that played 50 years ago, I mean, these guys are complete animals. Uh, and it's the same thing in the ultra running community, like what's happening now compared to even 10 years ago, like the, what the human body and the mind is capable of is, is amazing. And I don't think we've even come close to scratching the surface. And that's one of my favorite parts about mountain tough. We, that, that first year we called, you know, our local facility, a gym, but now we just we basically refer to this local Bozeman building as just an R and D facility and we treat it pretty much like anyone would treat an R and D facility on you know, how can we continue to make this better? Like let's test something, send some guys out in the hills, test it again, send them out in the hills, test it again. And it's been cool, you know, now we have that same process happening with firefighters and active duty military, basically trying to figure out, you know, what's the best plan possible to prepare people for very specific missions. And so when you're, when you're doing like these testing, you said, are you, you're using like, you know, say local people and some other things and you're just putting them through, um, it kind of explain that process. I'm interested to, to hear is how like the R and D part of it goes. Yeah. So a good example is, uh, you know, we're doing the same thing with hunters, but one thing that comes to mind is we, we have a project currently going on kind of behind the scenes where we're trying to extend 
the amount of time a firefighter can operate before they run out of air. So that's a structural firefighter that, you know, is going to come into a house or building and they're going to put out a fire. Well, the thing that happens on structural fire is they almost always go into a home or a building in three person teams. And you do not want to be the guy to run out of air first, theoretically, because then you're too buddies have to stop fighting the fire and they have to get you out of the house and then a new crew has to come in. And so if you're physically fit in a way that's uh, more superior um, than you were before, then you can do more work in that house for a longer period of time uh, before you run out of air. And so we brought in those guys last year and basically um, baseline them, see how long their air bottle will last under certain constraints. And then we test a lot of different programming until we can lock in on exactly what is moving the needle. So there's a lot of hard workouts you can do, um, which we've learned, but there's not a lot of stuff that actually moves the needle. And so for their use case, the needle is so specific. It's like, I need this guy's work capacity to be higher so that that air bottle, that air tank lasts longer. And so if it doesn't, if what we're doing isn't making that happen, then we need to do something else. And we'll try something else until we figure out what it is. And that's the same thing we do with uh, the military. And that's the same thing we do with hunters is, really try to boil it down. You know, the hunter use case is a little different because um, we have to wait for them to go on some of these hunts before we get really feed, until uh, we get really good feedback. So that feedback loop is a little bit longer. It's the same with wildland firefighters. So we need them um, in the lab. We need to test a bunch of stuff on them. We need to let them go out on a fire season, capture all that feedback, and then revamp our programming. But the model's always uh, relatively the same. It's, you know, let's make them the best athlete possible, and let's keep testing stuff until we find stuff that really works, and then let's get that in the program. I gotcha. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I'd wondered just kind of how how this all came about and how you kind of figured, okay, this is how this program would work. And, um, you know, it sounds like a lot of refinement and testing back to the lab, so to speak, and then just kind of keep going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like the online program, we get a lot of feedback from guys all over the country now, and we're able to uh, rebuild the program. Like the preseason prep, the preseason prep is kind of the ideal program for someone who, if someone's going on a, a difficult hunt in four months, uh, preseason prep is the best way we know possible how to get that athlete ready. But when we launched it the first time, it was three months in after looking at the local athletes and the online athletes, we're like, man, we need a few more weeks to do a few more things. And so 
last year to it was a 16-week program. We'd added four more weeks based on that feedback, and that's something that we'll always do. Yeah, and just keep kind of modifying it there. And one thing that you mm-hmm. you just said with, um, you know, getting the feedback from, you know, the local guys and some of the online people that are going through the course is, I don't think we had mentioned it already, but one of the big components to, you know, being a part of these courses is being able to be a part of the community. And, you know, you can, you can access these, these workouts from anywhere, but it's almost like, you know, you're kind of there with another team of people because everyone is extremely interactive with, you know, on each day's workouts, the bottom, they comment, a lot of people put in, you know, the exact weights they were doing their times, you know, kind of what they need to improve on. And, it, it helps motivate you, you know, you can kind of gauge yourself off of others and what they're doing. And if you're competitive at all, that can help, <laughs> you know, kind of fuel the fire even a little bit more. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about it is one thing that I know for sure is community can really push people a lot further than they, think they can go and that's a hard thing to accomplish online and we we just when we first started taking our program online we wanted to do everything we could possible to bring bring that community aspect and so we actually we actually built our entire platform around community first and i'm pretty happy with the the forums and seeing people interact and, you know, the leaderboards and the times, I think they make a huge difference. Um, and I, I think it's as close, you know, as we can get right now to, to having someone there right next to you, even though you're, you're all alone, maybe at the gym or in your home gym. Yeah. When you're, when you're all alone in uh, you know, in a, in a, say a regular gym format and people are looking at you like you're nuts doing some of these workouts, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we definitely hear that we definitely hear that a lot where people actually a lot of people have met at mountain tough because they'll be at the gym um at you know any town in america doing a, a crazy mountain tough workout and someone will come up to them and be like you must be doing mountain tough no one else does stuff like that around here and they actually will, you know, buddy up and start doing the program together. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I could definitely see that because it's just, you know, I'll be just walking around carrying these heavy kettlebells across the gym back and forth doing farmer's carries and people are just like, what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious. I, oh, yeah. I, I enjoy, at first I was kind of like, you know, almost self-conscious with it. I, I felt weird doing it. Now I love it. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I love it. It's, it's pretty cool. Cause I think it's, I love it for a lot of reasons, but one reason is I think that when you when you walk into a lot of gyms throughout the country, there's a lot of people in there that just aren't sure what to do, and a lot of people in that case, unfortunately, don't end up doing a whole lot of anything, and, you know, I can certainly see it here locally in Bozeman if I go into a local Bozeman normal gym 
uh, you'll see a lot of people that are just kind of lost and they wind up, you know, maybe doing 20 minutes of cardio and going to the drinking fountain five or six times and then heading out. <laughs> and uh, I think that, you know, no knocks on those people at all. I think a lot of times they just need a little guidance on what to do. And I think having the Mountain Tough app in your hand makes it so cool where you don't even have to think about it. You just watch the workout and you go in there and you know exactly what you're supposed to do for the day. And then you can get out of, get out of there. And it's a really productive hour when it's done that way. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the workouts, I mean, just about all of them are under an hour besides when you got to do like the road marches and stuff. And, and so you can be really efficient in that time frame. where I remember before when I was in college, I'd go there, you know, with a, a different mindset and I'd be there for like two hours. In reality, I was getting a way better workout now than I was then I was going doing the, you know, yeah. the same things with ample amounts of time in between sets and just like a, you know, a lot of, yeah. a, a lot of wasted time, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super common. <laughs> so what, um, with, with these workouts, explain a little bit about like some of the, equipment or what you need for it because one thing that you know at least with um some of the the programs that i've done the post and preseason they definitely you know require uh you know a decent amount of equipment to be able to do it with a lot of things that you can you know substitute in but would you like to you know get into that a little bit more yeah you bet so like right now you'll see on our website that we have quite a few different options for folks from a programming perspective and you'll see the all access and the all access the idea behind that is training a mountain hunter for an entire year sets so Monday through Friday workouts across postseason preseason spring and fall and it also includes nutrition but Typically, a uh, mountain tougher that's new will come in either on postseason strength or preseason prep. And we do require equipment for both of those programs. And the reason that we have to do that or want to do that is because we just, we know that folks need a strength train. And you can't, you can't do optimal strength training on just a couple kettlebells or a no gear plan. You know, body weight workouts are great for maintenance, but packing on true strength, like true foundational strength, we just know from an exercise science perspective that you need some equipment. So our main programs are going to require the essentials. And so the essentials aren't, aren't a ton. Um, mountain toughers are going to need access to a squat rack, um, a barbell, plates. They'll need a pull-up bar, and they'll need dumbbells. Um, usually it's like 20, 40s, um, and then some heavier ones for bench, but they can modify and bench off their barbell. And then um, they're going to need a cardio machine in addition to running. And so a lot of folks that do mountain tough at home 
um, we'll run outside or on a treadmill, but we always like to see one other machine. And our three top favorites are the, it's the concept two rower, uh, the ski erg or the salt bike. And it's been awesome to watch actually when we came up with that, uh, strategy, we assumed about, um, 99% of people that purchased Mountain Tough would go to a local gym. And I'd say like 99% of local gyms I've seen, you can do Mountain Tough in. And that that's like your most basic local gym in a small town to a, you know, a big fancy um, health club type facility. But what's been really cool is now about 40% of Mountain Toughers are uh, doing all of our programming from a home gym. And that really gets me excited because um, home gyms do some great things. A, you don't have the travel time. Um, B, you know, your kids can watch you work out really hard in the garage. and You can set that really good example and kind of lead your family that way. Um, and I think that it can be done pretty affordably. A lot of mountain toughers now are building their full home gym off Craigslist. And uh, a lot of that stuff's brand new and it's like 70% off. So it doesn't take a lot, but it does take some equipment, I guess I would say. Um, but home gym is certainly an option. Yeah, I, I, I hope to be able to build a home gym like that. And I, I saw where you you talked about some of the equipment and everything there. And you can, like you said, if you, if you shop around and build it over time, you can definitely do it for a lot cheaper than, you know, upfront and all the money for all the new equipment. Mm -hmm. Especially like in, you know, March or April after some new year's resolutions don't work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how cheap some of that stuff is on the used sites. Um, especially this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, another thing I wanted to get into here, Dustin is, you know, you'd sent an email out the other day that I thought was, uh, really interesting. It's also a blog post that they can go read over on a mountain tough.com, but you know, it was titled, he quit on the mountain and it was talking about, you know, about how only about 10% of elk hunters are successful every year and kind of breaking down the, the details of that and, you know, what makes those people that are successful year in and year out, just, just that, why are they, you know, successful? So do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that, uh, I guess, case study or, or whatever you might call it for a lack of better words? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of that article, um, it's called he quit on the mountain is, around our belief of making individuals individuals more mentally tough. And one, you know, one thing that kind of led to that article was a couple things, but one is we have a lot of just younger hunters in Bozeman and Bozeman's become kind of this West, it's become this mountain hunting Mecca with a lot of companies that operate out of here now. And, um, a lot of kids come to college here now just so that they can Western archery hunt for elk. And 
there we picked up on this trend where it was happening across the board with people that wanted to get into elk hunting, archery elk hunting. There was this trend where they were only focused on gear. So which jacket do I need? Which shirt do I need? Um, which boots do I need? And all that stuff, of course, is important in different ways, but we really believe that the key to most people's success on the mountain is can they get by this quit moment? And the quit moment happens in different ways to different people, but I'm sure everyone has had them and I've had plenty of them, but it's, for example, when it snows for seven days um, and you're on a 10 day hunt and you decide to quit and go home early and then you're dealing with the regret of quitting on the mountain for that entire year when the sun probably came out on you know day number eight nine and ten and the elk were bugling and you would have had your chance to be successful and from what we've seen in our life experience and in our community is the people that are consistently year after year after year whether that's in hunting or in life they're extremely mentally tough people um you know they won't leave that mountain until they have to and they'll go to that next ridge no question i mean they don't even have to think about it and so that whole article was around getting people to think less about gear and getting people to think more about how can i make myself more mentally tough how can i make my attitude and my perspective shift around this kind of never quit mentality and a lot of that stems you know of course from alex's uh, navy seal background is we really believe that if you can get that perspective shift um, people are really capable of anything and it's certainly true in mountain hunting um, mental toughness really seems to separate you know successful people from unsuccessful people we just we're having fun trying to encourage people to think that way and try to work in that direction um and you know it's it's the harder path um just going and buying a new jacket um is a lot easier than working on your mind and kind of your physical fitness um but the harder path usually usually the right one yeah i mean with the 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 gear side of things the hardest part is just getting your credit card bill at the end of the month and after you get past that you know it's it's just an item there but where where i think that and i you know we've been talking a lot about it with western hunting but honestly where i think that applies a lot to is with you know whitetail hunting and in the appalachian mountains here if if so 
each year I get like a week I could take off of work to hunt whitetails here during the rut. And, and you want to, you know, be able to spend as much time possible. And in my case being, you know, dark to dark in, in the woods, in the tree or whatever you're doing, you know, that week to hunt, to be successful. And, and when you have, when you hunt different places, especially again, just for example, through the Appalachian range here, there's a lot of the areas have low deer densities. You might not be seeing a lot. It, it can, and you're sitting, even though you're not physically working the whole day, your, your mind is mm-hmm. just going through so much stuff by having to sit there and wait, you know, for 12, 13 hours a day, day after day. And then you pull your stand or, and sticks down out of the tree. If you're hunting on public land and pack in and out every morning in the dark, you know, an hour hike in hour hike out and doing that day after day, it's so much easier to, to, you know, give up on it. You know, if the rut's not what you thought it was, you're not seeing caliber deer you're hunting and, and I, I've seen that help a lot for me. And, and, you know, as the, you know, the years go on and I feel like I'm getting better on the, you know, the, the mental side of things, because it's, it's a grind, you know, in that aspect. And, you know, whether you need to be in the best physical conditioning, you know, possible for it or not, you know, that's debatable, but where the, where that does help by being in that, you know, in, in great shape is the training of your mind and, you know, coming back to that can, like I said, hundred percent be applied to, to whitetail hunting as well. And that's what the the argument I always get is like, Oh, you you can't even pretend to say you need to be in, you know, great shape to, to be able to do that. And, and, you know, when I still might argue that, you know, being great shape helps with that, it, you know, more or less comes down to the, the mental side of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool because I mean, the better the better shape you are in, the less you have to rely on your mental toughness. Because kind of, but someone who someone who is in very very good shape for a lot of different hunting scenarios, they're not hitting that mental toughness threshold as much as someone who is really out of shape. Because that person who's really out of shape, they're going to run into mental toughness problems a lot earlier on so physical fitness helps a lot but it's it's not it's not the key i mean that definitely the combo is the key and you you definitely see it with all like first responders you see it a lot in the military and i'm sure you've seen it with a lot of your really good hunting buddies they call it pessimistic optimism so someone who's really mentally tough you can one thing you can notice right away is they will make fun of really shitty situations and you see it all the time with first responders where it's like oh we got to go put out this fire it's negative 20 well at least it's not negative 30 so they'll start making fun of the negative 20 instead of complaining about it so they're using like this pessimistic optimism to really make any shitty situation bearable and you know the the navy seal community calls it the only easy day was yesterday and it's it's all the same thing it's just these little tricks you can play on your mind um to really get through a lot of hard situations and it's awesome stuff yeah, it, it it is cool and it, it helps when you have, you know, buddies and hunting partners and stuff that have that same mindset because 
you know, otherwise it can bring the, the group down. But, you know, I can think of this past, you know, elk hunt when, um, when I shot my bull, it was literally on the, the second, or it was the first morning of hunting of the, the 14 day hunt. And, uh, which was great, but it was, it was funny because my, one of my buddies that was out there, he had the year before he was high country mule deer hunting and had altitude sickness bad where he got put in a hospital and, you know, almost died from it. And so he was trying to acclimate and right away he, he, he was out climbing up to help me pack out this bull and we were you know joking back and forth as he's putting his oxygen you know meter on his fingers we're going you know packing out i'm like hey listen you know if if, if you go down we'll pack the bull out and we'll come get you you know and we were laughing back yeah. and forth and just you know having those type of people with you definitely you know makes like you said those shitty situations um better when you when you make fun of it and just get through it yeah, it's definitely a game changer for sure. Yeah. And so I, what, one of the things that I wanted to, to hear about firsthand from you is I saw that you had drawn a, a goat tag in Montana, and I want to hear the story of that hunt. It looked wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was wild. Um, so in Montana, we are very fortunate. We can hunt elk and deer every year over the counter um but we have three special tags here uh that are almost once in a lifetime montana isn't officially once in a lifetime on these three but generally speaking you only see an individual get one per life if they're entering the lottery every year some people have of course gotten two in their lifetime but it's pretty rare but those three tags are moose, sheep, uh, so moose, uh, sheep, and goat. And I had been applying for all three. Uh, my dad helped me start applying when I was 12. And so I drew my first one this year, and it took me 24 years. And I drew the mountain goat tag uh, right outside of Bozeman, which was cool. But we, um, a couple things with goats. Uh, so we really wanted, I'm saying we just kind of my hunting buddies and I, we really wanted, I wanted to look for a goat uh, that was mature, but you also want mountain goats to have long hair. And so what happens is usually in September, a mountain goat's coat, their hide, uh, the hair's only about as long as like a tennis ball. So they look kind of funny. Uh, they've shed their winter coat, their summer coat comes in and they're just kind of fuzzy out there. <laughs> and then by the end of, by the end of November, uh, they'll have nine inch long coats and it's like big blowing white hair. And the billies get these huge things called chaps where the bottom, like six inches of their front legs has short hair, but then right above it is this, just this awesome chap where the hair is super long. So I always knew if I ever drew that tag that I was going to wait for, I was going to wait for the goats to hair up and they don't hair up until about October 5th, October 10th is where you'll start to see mountain goats with really good hair. The hard thing with that 
is, you know, the hard decision in waiting is a lot of Montana mountain goat areas. Um, you have a true, a true real risk of getting snowed out of your unit. And all of these mountain goats are, uh, at 10,000 feet in Montana. And a lot of these units, um, if it snows too much, you won't even be able to access some of the trailheads you need to hunt from. And so that's the kind of the gamble that we were playing with. Um, this Bozeman area tag, we're in kind of a unique situation where there's one road that is plowed deep into the back country all the way until Christmas. And they plow it because it's a very popular back country skiing area. And so this, community of skiers built this foundation that pays for the road to get plowed. And so I knew that because of that road, I was going to be able to access where I wanted to hunt goats late into the season, which I was super excited about because I knew I wanted just a big mature late season goat. And uh, of course the way that it happened is that unit um, we started hunting October 5th. And it snowed every day in October except two in that unit. And the oh. snowpack, <laughs> the snowpack got up to um, 333%. So it was 330% of average uh, the week before I killed my Billy. So um, now looking back at it, at it, I'm so glad it happened this way because it, it led to so many cool experiences. Uh, we hunted 13 days and, um, we started having to go in on backcountry skis because the snow was, uh, chest deep on several occasions where like the snow would, you'd be going up these headwalls and you'd be fighting snow that's bumping up against your bino harness. And so we had to resort to backcountry skis, which I never had backcountry ski before. So that was a, huge adventure <laughs> uh, it was a huge adventure for me i i learned how to pizza like hold my skis like a pizza to come downhill pretty fast um we didn't we didn't know much about avalanches and then we started having to carry uh avalanche beacons and shovels uh going on on skis so it it turned into just this this complete epic adventure and um, we finally located, uh, a mature Billy on day 12. It was the first mature Billy I had seen, um, the entire time since the summer scouting season. And most of that was because out of the 13 days we hunted about 11 of them were blizzard conditions. So you'd spend all day getting up to 10,000 feet or multiple days and then you'd sit there by a glass and fire in a blizzard for a couple of days and it just wouldn't clear. And so when we located that, uh, Billy, we were super stoked and I was so lucky. Um, Pete Munich, uh, who lives here in Bozeman, he's the president of the uh, Rocky mountain goat Alliance. And there, there's like the, Wild Sheep Foundation or the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, but they're the organization conserving and protecting mountain goats. 
And so Pete is obsessed with mountain goats. Um, he was hunting with me and like, I couldn't have had a better guy to be with me on the mountain that day. Cause that was his 16th goat hunt. And so he was able to help me really make sure it was a mature Billy. And, uh, it was a nine and a half year old Billy. Uh, they only lived till about 11, 11 and a half. But the thing that was crazy is, uh, the first time we found him, we got within range and we decided that we could not shoot because we couldn't find a single way to get to that goat if we would have killed him on that cliff. So he was so cliffed out that um, there was really no way to recover him unless you had a helicopter or something. So it was just like this gut-wrenching moment of, you know, day 11, day 12, finally like are in a position to kill a really mature late season Billy and you just can't do it because there's no way to get to him. And so of course that, that just led to this really like, you know, high stress situation where it's like, man, it's getting, it's getting late. I've applied 24 years for this tag. Um, season's coming to an end soon. Uh, what if this Billy, you know, moves into a new area? Luckily, we were able to find him again. And the coolest thing was the day we found him, it was the first day, really, the sun came out. So it was 54 degrees, bluebird sunny. And we followed the Billy to the very top of the mountain. Uh, he was laying in the sun at 10,000 feet. And we were able to sneak into 84 yards and I shot him with my rifle, but it was just like, it was one of those just like postcard picture moments when it happened, but it was, you know, it was 12 days of misery to get to that one postcard picture moment. So it was just a, you know, it was one of those hunts I'll never forget for sure. That is crazy. I didn't know that, that whole backstory with it. You know, of course I saw the, the picture with you with the goat and everything, but the hearing that backstory of it is, is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was a, it was just like adrenaline pumping adventure every single day. It was really cool. <laughs> Talk about field testing, mental toughness there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Pete, he would always he would always yell at me because a lot of times you're up on those cliffs and it's super sketchy and so Pete's statement of the of the season was you can't be mountain tough if you're mountain dead and we'd, we'd get to these cliffs he's like you can't be mountain tough if you're mountain dead man <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a that's a that's a cool story there. I and like you said, it that's got to be. I can't imagine what's going through your mind. Like you said, you know, eleven days into a hunt you've been waiting your whole life for, and you hadn't even found a you know a mature Billy yet, and just with the conditions and everything, that's <laughs> and you probably you know in the back of your head being like, should I went earlier? You know, I bet a million things ran through your head. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have everyone, everyone in town's telling you you should have gone earlier. <laughs> you're, the anxiety is just building that you're going to eat 
a once in a lifetime tag. It it was pretty brutal. <laughs> oh man, well that's that's cool. I I'm, I'm glad I you know asked you to share that there because that's that's a cool cool hunt and 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 uh, you know just all around story with it. And it's 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 cool to hear that because like you said, a lot of times you see the the photos but don't you know know that the backstory on on some of the hunts and yeah and you know even like the people that you see that are successful year in and year out you're just like man they just kill it but you, you don't see that there's a lot of those moments where you know most people would have quit and they just kept going to to the, the reason why they're successful yeah there's a lot of those just tough days grinding it out i mean you experienced it too with you know with your bull four years right of coming yeah. out west yeah, I was, I was over, yeah. you know, 2018 was probably my toughest year because I went out for like 17 days. I think it was 14 or 15 hunting days in Colorado, and it took me eight days to even find elk. I mean, in, in an area where yeah. the first two years I found elk, I just screwed up the opportunities. I had, I literally moved units and, and dropped 3,000 feet of elk, or actually 4,000 feet elevation to be able to find them and then you know i had a couple opportunities that once again i screwed up but it was just like i was driving back after that trip just like completely you know distraught about it and so this year when it all came yeah. together even though it was like literally the first morning of the hunt it it didn't yeah. feel like the first morning you know it was uh, a long yeah. long long journey but i just kept telling myself i was like i'm gonna keep doing this until i until i get it done i mean that's you can't fail if you don't quit so as i just kept kept going year after year and screwing up and learning and you know that's that's kind of how it went for me yeah yeah, that's the that's the perfect mindset for sure. I I hope it doesn't happen that way this year. I'm going to Alaska to hunt caribou <laughs> because I'm pretty sure I can't afford to do that every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, that would get expensive. The success rates are a little bit higher there, so I'm hoping that that's <laughs> not going to be the same. But yeah, I'm uh, yeah, that was that's that's awesome, man. Well, um. Dustin, is there anything else that you can think of, um, you know, on the mountain tough side of things that you'd want to share with anybody? Um, and then, you know, kind of going into where people can find some more information on it. Yeah, you bet. I would just, you know, encourage folks to try it. There's a lot of different ways to try it. Um, you know, we have some great trial stuff on our website as well as our YouTube channel. So, the 22s that you mentioned is just a free download right off mountaintough.com. You can also download one of our favorite heavy pack workouts. That's on the website just as a free download. And then our calorie calculator is an excellent tool for anyone that is headed out west um, or, you know, where you're hunting in the Appalachians, anyone who's hunting in the hills, that's a, an awesome free resource. Um, we studied a bunch of athletes in Bozeman two years ago now, and you know the 200-pound male on average was burning 6,800 calories a day, and so a lot of people don't realize 
the energy demands that are being placed on their body in the backcountry. And if you can start to learn to eat a little more, uh, that's a game changer. And so I definitely encourage folks to grab that and just look through it. Um, that can save a trip. That's an easy way to save a trip. And, um, for the programs, you know, uh, all access is a great way to take the full plunge and uh, train with us for a year. And then there's easier steps as well. I mean, the preseason prep is excellent. Um, that's just a four month commitment. All our programs are lifetime access, so you get it for life, but that's a way to train for. Um, that's a great way to train for uh, four months. And um, one thing that I do want to mention that I forgot to mention earlier is when we, after year two, after preseason prep and postseason strength were both done, we decided based on the community to build and create our first no gear plan ever. And um, I had mentioned that, you know, like true strength building, we know people need equipment, but we had so many mountain toughers that were traveling. They were going to hotels. Um, they had these mornings where they needed to be home with the kids and couldn't go to the gym that you'll see on our website, we have the third 30 and, that's 30 no gear workouts you can do anywhere at any time with absolutely no equipment. So we have a lot of guys that are using that. Um, and we have a ton of mountain toughers that uh, switch to that program when they travel, they knock out a workout in a hotel room and then they switch back to the normal program when they get back to town. Uh, so there's a lot out there um, and there's a bunch more free workouts on our YouTube channel as well. Yeah, th that that last one you said there about the the thirty thirty, um, that that is you know would be super helpful. I I know you know for me I travel a lot and always find trouble you know being able to do that. Especially even hotels might have gyms, but they don't have all the equipment you need and and things along those lines can help fill those gaps you know in your schedule. And and another thing that I I would add to you know what you said is you know when someone tries these you know, the free workouts that you have online, you know, the first time I did it, I was intimidated by it. And what I want to say is even if, it, you know, it seems extremely tough and, you know, it might be difficult for you the first time, just understand that once you go through these programs and, and do it, like you'll, you'll get to a point where that doesn't feel that tough anymore. You know, kind of what you explained earlier. So don't be extremely intimidated by it and thinking that you can't do it. If you work at it, and, you know, you know, just, you know, put in the effort and the discipline and the commitment to it, you'll, you'll be fine. You just, you just have to kind of get through that initial hump. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first one will shock the system a little bit, but it's amazing <laughs> how fast people adapt. Yeah. You, you kind of don't give, uh, give us much room to, uh, to complain or worry about it because <laughs> you get right into it. And if, if you stick to the program, like it states, yeah, you're going to be hurting a little bit that first week or so, but it doesn't take very long to get in the groove. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, one thing that I didn't expect when we started mountain tough was the, the amount of um, 
hunters that are doing our program that are uh, 55 years old, 65 years old, that wasn't something that I really expected when we started. And man, there's a ton of mountain toughers now that are 55 to 65 and it works really well. One thing that we have is every daily workout that you pull up on your phone will have a beginner, intermediate and elite level. And so guys can find the right path for them. But um, it's been cool to see hunters from, you know, all different age groups and demographics jump in there. Yeah, that, that is cool. I, I w- guess I wouldn't have expected, I would have expected that more of the, the younger to, you know, middle age crowd. Mm-hmm. So I guess um you were saying, so where can people find, you know, some more information or, or even like say they want to, they want to start, you know, reading up on it or, you know, deciding to make the decision. Um, is, is mountaintough.com the best place to find that information? Yeah. Mountaintough.com um, will be the best and you can jump on there and we'll break down, um, all of our programming on that programs tab. And then we put out a lot of content on Instagram and it's just mountain tough underscore Instagram or mountain tough underscore fitness on Instagram. And there's a lot there as well. Ours always putting out, you know, short little educational videos and they'll make it to our YouTube channel as well. Cool. Well, Dustin, you know, thank you, uh, you know, again for coming on here and and chatting with me here. Uh, Mountain Tough's been a you know big part of you know my journey here and and last year for you know you know I I definitely put a lot of that on you know physical fitness and and the mental side of it for being able to to get my elk last year and you know hopefully continue to you know find success in the, in the mountains and. And uh, I, again, I thank you for, for that. Absolutely, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you went through it and, you know, we love hearing that it helped with your success. That's that's what we're all about. All right, man. Well, uh, I hope that, uh, you know, the, the winter weather isn't too bad there in Bozeman and and you get through that for some, some nicer times here shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll get out of the snow here pretty soon. (laughs) All right, Dustin. Well, as always, good talking to you, man. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.